This week we've got great offers at your local Supervalue like Supervalue Fresh Irish Park Bone Chicken Breasts 610 gram half price Supervalue Fresh Irish Trip Loin Steak Save 33% and great half price laundry offers like Personal Liquid 24 Wash 5 Euro 16 Supervalue Believe in low prices To help us all keep safe please continue to adhere to our safety guidelines in store And welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and today I'm really excited because we are joined by Joe Ponzaplana, a nurse in Sheffield. Hi, Joe. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, hello. Thank you for having me. What a time for you at the moment, working on the front line in Sheffield. But because uh, obviously it's been absolutely mad. But before we get into what has been going on in the front line of fighting coronavirus? Can you tell our listeners a bit about you first and your background in nursing? We know, I, you know, we've spoken before. I know you're from Spain, but you've come over here, been here for 20 years. Tell us tell us about yourself, Joe. Obviously, as you can hear, my accent is not a Yorkshire accent. Um, it's a Spanish accent. And despite being here for 20 years, my accent is still quite strong. Um, I, I, I did study nursing in, in, in Spain. Uh, because I always like, um, I was very hands-on and I, and I like always helping people. And I thought that nursing fitted me quite well. And also, um, but the time that I was trying to choose what I wanted to do when I was older, um, my uh, granddad uh, became ill and, and I spent some time in the hospital uh, um, nursing, my, well, being near my granddad. And, and I found the nurse uh, what they're doing and everything absolutely fantastic and and that uh, opened me uh, my mind curiosity because before that I never thought that uh, I wanted to be a nurse because in my family 90% of the people they're teachers there's no nurses there's no doctors and now then I didn't want to be a teacher uh, like my brother or my dad my mom and everything um, and then um, that uh, nurse and talking to the nurse and seeing how they can make a bad situation to a more positive one and who can touch the lives and everything, that um, um, basically um, uh, triggered something inside me, triggered something inside me that I wanted to know more. And then I ended up uh, um, going into nursing. I finished in 1997. And I, uh, at that same time, also, there was the number one series on TV, it was ER, and I thought I wanted to be a bit like George Clooney, and I decided uh, yeah, I decided that I wanted to be an, an A&E nurse. And I did um, work in an, an A&E nurse around Barcelona, that's where I come from. The problem is there was not a lot of permanent jobs. There were I was only doing odd shifts when somebody was ill, and also when somebody was on holiday. I mean, I couldn't... Um, I couldn't um, um, rent my own house or to do anything because I didn't have a permanent job. And uh, I was quite fed up. And after three years of doing that, um, working for a few months, then being, uh, uh, being unemployed for other months, because then um, I had a, a choice. I needed to find a permanent employer employment and then move on because I was 25 and move out of my mom and that house or carry on this life that I never know when it's going to finish. Then I decided to find a job. Uh, and after doing them, and I was delivering pizzas, that's the job I found at the moment while I was looking for something else. And I was a bit fed up because I did study for three years and I, I, I worked very hard. I also had a, a master's on critical care patients. 
I, I wanted to be a nurse, and, and and I said it needs to be something better. And at that point, I was reading the newspaper on a on a sunny um, August, and there was an advert on the on the paper asking for nurses coming to the UK, and and uh, and then something clicked. I said, well, I have nothing to lose. Um, um, I can go um, there, gain experience, being a nurse, fulfill my dream. And my intention, I need to be honest, was never to stop in England. My intention, my intention was to go to England. Then um, after a year, um, be, my English will be better, have experience, then look for something else a bit with a hotter and better climate. That was my intention. Uh, but um, life changed. And then uh, I applied. Um, I got a job um, uh, here in, in Sheffield, uh, at the Northern General Hospital. And I, I uh, took around three months all the paperwork to come through and everything. And I jumped on a plane, um, um, despite what the, the Daily Mirror and all uh, Daily Express thing. I didn't come at the back of a lorry. It's a lot cheaper if you come by, 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 Ryan, uh, by Ryanair. And I landed in Luton, um, um, bonfire night, year 2000. And I remember that uh, because all the way from, from Luton Airport to Sheffield, the sky was... Uh, basically on fire with all the fireworks. And I thought, what a great reception. This I loved already this country. Yeah. And I've been working hard ever since uh, in, 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 um, in the NHS, mostly around Yorkshire, but I also had a, 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 a period of two years that I went to work in Northwell, um, uh, James Paget Hospital, um, that because um, the opportunity was quite great and I didn't follow that. And now, after 20 years to starting in Northern General Hospital, I have come back to the same hospital and I've been working now as a senior digital charge nurse. Absolutely. I mean, that's a it's a long career in nursing, isn't it? It's really, really impressive. You must have seen a lot of things over your time. What What is your kind of, I guess we're a few weeks in now, your thoughts on this coronavirus crisis we're in? I, I assume you've never seen anything like this before in your career? No, um, this coronavirus crisis um, is uh, is had a, um, a big impact on, on on me personally and also um, physically, mentally, and professionally, um, because um, uh, the, the 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 loneliness of, of my work that I do now. I normally um, I, I I I love to be able to you know uh, the human part of nursing. That's what I love the most. And this uh, coronavirus has, has taken all this human side away. Uh, we're trying uh, to uh, uh, to put it back with some technology, but it's not easy. It's not the same. And uh, no, I had a lot of uh, patients who, who who had died with nobody next to it, and nurses have come back in, hold their hands, um, and you have become, I have become the brother, the sister, uh, the, the 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 husband, all the relative uh, of some of my patients because nobody can come in. Uh, and and I had uh, and I, I I feel all the ups and downs of every patient I have, and also because it's very rare. This normally in intensive care, the patients um, they come, stay for a week, um, they go better, they go. I have patients who have been with us uh, more than, more than fifty five days. I mean that I uh, I ended up knowing their family inside out and the patients inside out, but most of them um, they they don't talk because they're in intensive care and. And you you see the progress and everything, and and emotionally it's also been been very hard uh, because um, it's also very frustrating because it takes a long time for uh, the coronavirus to 
um, for people who had suffered coronavirus to, um, to get better. And I need to say that I'm very proud of my unit because we have one of the best uh, mortality uh, rates in the country. I don't know, I shouldn't um, celebrate the people are dying, but the fact that our unit have managed to save the uh, um, um, nearly 80% 80 of the people who come through our doors, that's amazing, considering that the average in England is more than 40% death. Ours is half. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's a, you know, it's a testament to everyone's hard work, isn't it? You, you mentioned there, um, I mean, for the, for the listeners, just to fill them in, you have been working on kind of digital innovations, haven't you, and bringing the NHS into the 21st century. But since this, you've gone back on to the front line. You spoke there about holding people's hands when their family couldn't get there. I mean, what does what does that do to you and your colleagues? How are you coping with it? I can't imagine how difficult that must be. Yeah, uh, I'm, uh, I'm physically and mentally exhausted because um, we work long shifts um, from 7 o'clock in the morning uh, to um, half, sometimes 8 o'clock at night, or if you have the night shift opposite. Uh, and um, you spend uh, a lot of time... Um, on, on with the PPE also on that is very hot and warm and also you you basically you taken over um, somebody's body because what we do is to um, control all the organs of the of the people who have in front and we uh, try to then the, 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 to help to beating the coronavirus while we um, um, make sure that the rest of the organs carry on um, uh, working properly, and that takes a lot of times, and and also the fact that the, the patients um, are laying there um, most at the beginning, uh, they're sedated, and some of them are paralyzed, and it makes also that sometimes you feel very very alone um, because you um, you work on your own, you have one to one with the patient, you have the um, obviously nurses next to you and everything, but. Uh, don't forget, every time that you do an action, every time that you do an interaction with a patient is a risk that you may get coronavirus. I mean, we try to minimize and to plan. You, you, you are constantly alert, like Mr. Johnson wants us to be. Uh, I'm constantly alert. To have this uh, planning and constantly on the edge, um, all that, that's very, very hard because you know that the moment that you relax, the moment that you don't um, follow the, the proper procedures, you may get the coronavirus. And that's for me is my biggest fear. My biggest fear is I will get the coronavirus and will go home and infect my family. And I will never forgive myself if I do that. And, and also, um, you're always at the back of your mind when you uh, look at the news and everything that, that some of my colleagues have died because of that. And I may be next. I, I, I don't know. And that psychologically also have a lot of impact on me. But I also need to say that it's a bit of a um, of a paradox because I'm also I never been so proud of being a nurse. I never been so um, um, so happy to to be able to fight against this coronavirus. Uh, and this sense of proudness and but also the anxiety is a very mixed cocktail that uh, sometimes is very difficult uh, um, um, to express. But then when you're day off, um, I'm exhausted physically and mentally. And, and some days the only thing I manage is to go from from my bed to the kitchen, maybe to my back garden, and then to the sofa. It's very little sometimes I can do. And I have, I have requested a psychological um, um, mental health because um, um, I always believe that you need to, um, to take care of your mind as well as your body. 
and I noticed a couple of weeks ago that my anxiety was growing and I was a bit more also um, 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 a bit more abrupt with my wife and having arguments with no reason when I was looking, um, thinking about back, back to and say, boy, is this, that some signs that mentally um, are still suffering? And I got uh, straight away uh, my hospital and NHS England being very good. We have a 24-7 helpline and I have an assessment. And I've been, uh, I've been doing um, sessions of counselling and, uh, and I've been um, also helping tips uh, with, with them and everything. And uh, that also helped me a lot. I'm a lot better um, in there. God, and it's so important to talk about that, isn't it? I'm so glad that you've said that because I think there there'll be a lot of NHS stuff feeling that way, and to know that it's not there's no shame in seeking that help, is there? You know, it, it's it's it, this is nothing like any of us have ever seen. If you need the help, then oh, by all means, take it because God, I can't imagine what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like one day um, I went to work. And I couldn't face being 12 hours with the PPE. I had a bit of anxiety attack. Uh, and I went to talk to, to the sister. It was 7 o'clock in the morning and say, look, I'm not feeling very well. Do you have enough staff today? And uh, he made me sit down and say, um, yeah, we're fine and everything. Uh, and I say, I, I, I don't think I can bear to be in here 12 hours. And, and, and she um, said, Joe, don't worry, uh, go home. Um, you know, and that's when I, I know that I needed to call the, the helpline, and I did. And I'm glad I did, and also I'm glad I talked to to the sister, and I'm glad that I I, I was capable to do that. And also my colleagues have been absolutely fantastic. Everybody uh, rile, um, you know, uh, uh, around each other, and we've been helping each other and everything. But with also it's very difficult because you need to keep uh, social distancing and uh, in, even inside the unit and uh, and and everything. It's 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 quite difficult because I'm a very um, touchy, but I don't know, maybe I'm a Latin. I like to, um, I'm quite expressive with my with my hands and, and my touchy and everything. And, and now suddenly I have become uh, a bit, uh, I need to become a bit more, um, uh, less um, Latin and be a bit more English, you know, and, and not, not in a, any disrespect, but, um, you know. Um, a, a little bit, a little bit more reserved, I think would be the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And it must be really hard. I mean, we're talking there about how brilliant your colleagues have been and how they're supporting each other. How do you feel about the support from the public? Because we've seen, haven't we, every Thursday, people are on their doorsteps, banging their pans and clapping. What do you What do you feel about that? Um, uh, I, it's, it's good. It's a good feeling, um, feeling appreciated. And I think the coronavirus has show have showed um, a bit more what nurses do. It's been a fantastic opportunity to showcase and bring the image of nursing to the 24th century. We have come a long way since Florence Nightingale was born 200 years ago, and nursing has come, um, you know, we're doing a lot of things. And I think the, the people thought um, we had a very old-fashioned thinking of what nurses do. And the coronavirus have made uh, showcase how um, our amazing the, the work that we do. And that's good. And I, uh, the clapping is fine. But I'm also, I have a mixed feelings about the clapping uh, because some of the people who are clapping, then they don't follow the rules and, and they go to the to the park. And, and also, um, then the, um, I think there's been a bit, polit- a bit uh, uh, politicizing uh, the clapping and, and everything. I've seen um, Mr. Johnson coming out and clap and, and then decided to give us a, a, a pay freeze for the next two years. And I would like um, the recognition 
more than just clapping. Uh, I like something uh, 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 better uh, uh, with with laws. We need a minimal safe staffing laws that we don't have in, in this country, and I think it's dangerous. We uh, we will deserve a well-earned pay rise. Other con- other uh, countries around the world have given. Um, as a thank you, uh, pay rise. France is one of them. I think Spain is one of them. Um, Australia, I think so. Some other countries have recognized the, the, the mammoth task that we have done, and I given uh, some um, pay rise that uh, that we uh, that to the care to the front line. Because don't forget, since uh, austerity have implemented um, a lot of the nurses. Uh, and um, despite the generous pay rise that Mr. Hancock said last year, we still 20% uh, less um, pay, uh, the pay-wise um, than 10 years ago because of the inflation. Mm-hmm. And I believe what they've said, isn't it, is that that was that was a story that was um, leaked by the national newspapers where it said to deal with the economic fallout from the coronavirus, they might look at a public sector pay freeze. But of course, the public sector includes NHS staff as well. I mean, I should say the government have tried to say that, you know, efforts will be recognised and we just don't know what that will look like yet. And we should say, we should say for maximum kind of disclosure, Joe, that you, you are you are a bit political, aren't you, as well? <laughs> You've campaigning for, <laughs> campaigning for um, Remain during the referendum and things like that. But that's not, you know, that's not to say that we should discount anything that you say at all. It's just important for people to know that. And, you know, these are all considerations that people have to take into account, aren't they? You know, it's it's things that are genuine concerns. And I imagine a lot of your colleagues feel similar, do they? If you, if you look at my salary in 2010 and we look at my salary now, if you add the inflation at the moment, I'm earning £4,000 less uh, in comparison, that's four thousand pounds. That four hundred pounds a month that I don't have in my pockets. I mean, it's getting more and more difficult to to um, to meet to make ends meet. Uh, my quality of my my of life also have suffered with that. But I'm quite um, um, I, I'm I'm okay because I'm I'm a higher band. But that's part of the reason because we're struggling to attract nursing uh, people into nursing and also a lot of people are leaving because um, when people can get a similar amount of money working in a supermarket, why to have the hassle uh, to work in an NHS? Because it's a very hard work in the NHS. It's very rewarding also, but you do a lot of social hours. It's not very family friendly working on the NHS because all the um, all, all the um, emotions that you're dealing with and, and then all, but use 24 hours you also need to cover night shift uh, and, and a lot of holidays and a lot of weekends and, and that's um, not very family orientated and a, a lot of my colleagues are struggling w- with that to keep the balance uh, from work and and, and and family and also if you if you can get um, similar money, doing other jobs with a lot less responsibility and more family friendly, a lot of my colleagues have gone. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, so I guess whilst we're on the political side of things, what from the front line have you made of the of the measures that have been put in kind of so far? You know, the lockdown we've seen, haven't we? We're, as we speak today, um, it's Wednesday, we're expecting the trace and or track and test and trace scheme, whatever they're calling it nowadays, to... Um, to be launched in the next couple of days. What what impact has that had, do you think? Has it been a success or were we a bit too slow maybe based on other countries? What do you think? I have uh, a lot of mixed feelings about that. Coronavirus 19 is called 19 for a reason. 
uh, it was um, the first uh, exposure was in last year in December. And the government had plenty of time uh, to prepare. It's nothing new, but they were too busy about the elections and then they were too busy about uh, Brexit. And then the prime minister decided to go on holidays in February. And the first case in England was at the end of January. Uh, we didn't initiate the lockdown till the 23rd of March. That was too late uh, for me, uh, at least uh, three or four weeks too late. At, at the beginning, Mr. Johnson um, he went on to the, all the televisions and everything, saying that we needed to take that on the chin. And then, um, and, and then um, he decided um, to go and take an opportunity to take some pictures, to go to a hospital to visit uh, people with coronavirus. And, and decided that it was a good idea to shake the people's hand and get what happened two weeks after. Mr. Johnson and half of the cabinet got coronavirus. And then everything broke loose. Since the Mr. Johnson got coronavirus, that was a race against the time. And I found then, then they introduced the right measures. The lockdown was there. And I seen, and I seen it uh, in my unit. Now we have stabilized and the, and the numbers of patients we have in my unit are, are daily decreasing. Um, but I mean, we, are this, uh, we only had two admissions last week. I mean, that's quite good. Um, and, and, and now, but what I'm worried about now, um, now we don't do all this hard work and the people stay at home and the majority of people have followed the rules. Um, I don't want to go into Dominic Cummings' things uh, because I've already been talking about it, but the majority of people have followed the rules and have made a lot of sacrifices. Uh, and I'm, I've seen clear examples in my unit uh, uh, that family desperate to come and hold people's hands and they've not done that because there was a high risk to keep spreading the virus. And now the government wants to um, reopen um, um, and put a, um, an end to the lockdown. But I think the idea is good uh, because um, for mental health, and I think you need to have somewhere to look forward. And I think the idea of, of putting a timeline of the end um, is a good idea. It's like you having a prison sentence. You are, you are uh, in the, your cell and you don't know when you're going to end, you don't care what you do. But if you know that if you behave good and you stay at home, you may release early, then that then the people act accordingly. But what I don't I don't understand is that uh, to be able to release the lockdown, you need to have something in place, like a t track and trace, and also the, the testing in place, and, and, and other measures that at the moment I don't see them. And, and until I don't see them, I don't think I don't think it's safe. They're going to open the schools on Monday. Uh, I'm quite um, I'm quite um, feared about that because I've not seen any uh, any um, any of that um, uh, measures put in place. And I'm going to I have a father of three children. I don't, I'm not going to send any of my children to school until I see uh, the the the, the track and trace app is working. I still don't see that we have enough testing. And also, I, uh, I, I want um, to have PPEs in the schools. And at the moment, the government is struggling immensely to provide PPE to the health services. And now they want to open all the schools. Uh, I'm, I'm quite, um, I don't understand how they're going to manage to provide PPE to all these schools if they cannot manage to provide it to the, to the health services. All these measures, I, I'm, I'm quite puzzled um, and, um, that they're not in place before we release this uh, coronavirus. And we kill example the other day. Um, we have the the hospital in Western, um, the Western Supermed that now they have closed A and E yesterday because the, they have rise, uh, significantly rise of coronavirus. And and the second wave 
um, we have endangered the, the having a second wave. Uh, and that's why um, I'm quite angry with the government, because I agree that we need to put a timeline. But bef um, before we relax the rules, we need all these things in place. And I don't have we don't have anything in place so far. Now, you're in such a unique position, or not a unique position, because there's obviously plenty of people in the NHS that have families and children as well. But it's interesting to hear that crossover of you, you, you seeing your experience on the front line and seeing how things are happening, your concern about your children and the decisions you have to make there, and also seeing the decisions the government are making. I mean, it's, it's, it, there's been so many questions to answer another one of them that we've seen is about the um nhs surcharge isn't it which is now they've now um they did a bit of a u-turn on and said that they're now going to look at making sure that uh nurses and doctors and nhs staff and social care staff from other countries won't be charged this fee which is on top of your taxes to fund the nhs i mean is, is it something that you've you've had to pay joe no because uh... Um, um, at the moment, because we um, uh, we are still in the European Union, uh, Europeans they didn't need to pay it, but they will. Now it has been removed, but they will. Um, they will come in place from next year, uh, and and I think that that's wrong um, because we uh, we are short over a hundred thousand vacancies we have in NHS and over a hundred and hundred and twenty thousand on the social care sector. And we, we need more nurses, we need more porters, we need more doctors. And um, and what the government don't realize is that it's not just um, United Kingdom who need uh, uh, nurses and doctors, it's a world crisis. And if I'm a nurse, for example, and I wanted to have a look to work anywhere in the world, uh, will I go to some place that I don't need to pay any taxes or will I go uh, to here, to uh, United Kingdom? The first thing that they asked me is to pay over two thousand uh, pounds to just to work uh, to start working because you need to pay not uh, it costs six hundred and twenty four pounds a year but you need to pay for as long as your visa is I mean if you come here for the three years visa you need to pay the the nearly two thousand pounds in front if you come along if you come with your children and your family that can uh, up to both it can be up uh, ten thousand pounds and and well that's a big no no. Um, and we need to make it easy for these people to come. Of course, I want more British nurses. I want more British people to to come to the NHS. But that's a, a longer project, and that's a conversation we need to have with the government: how we can attract more people, uh, more British people, to become nurses, doctors, or or work in the NHS. But until we don't have these people, we rely on migrants. And 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 for that reason, we need to make as easy as possible for these migrants to come and work. But I also believe that uh, it's the right step to uh, scrap the charge for people who work on the NHS, but it needs to go further. Uh, because at the moment, um, uh, United Kingdom not only depends on, on health workers, it depends also, uh, the clear example is uh, with the countryside with who's picking the fruit. The government have failed repeatedly uh, to attract British people to be fruit, fruit pickers, and they are on minimal wage. Can you imagine? Um, wanted people wanted to come here, they need to pay three thousand pounds for in front just to earn minimal wage. It's not going to happen. So I have a question: If twenty years ago you in Spain, as you were, as we heard at the start, were looking in the newspaper and you saw the advert for working in the UK, you looked into it, and it said you had to pay this 
surcharge every year to use the health service that you were working for, would you have come? Uh, no, um, I would have gone to Italy. I had another um, another offer from Milan. I would have gone to Milan. But also, you need to, to think another thing that um, people are put uh, people are putting off coming to United Kingdom is because um, the salary at the pound have um, lost the value twenty five percent. Uh, at the moment, um, may not affect people who work in Britain, but if you're an European um, wanted uh, to work, um, United Kingdom was one of the best uh, well-paid uh, nursing that they have. Um, my sa- the salary that I was earning here 20 years ago when I came was nearly double than what I was current, could earn in Spain. In the last 10 years, because the pound have done uh, have devalued 25%, and also because the austerity that my salary has been frozen, I was checking the other day, um, you uh, nearly qualified nurse in Spain at, at the moment earn more money than a nearly qualified nurse in England. And that's another factor that the people, um, why come to England when they can go, come to Ireland or any other European countries that um, at the moment will have better salaries, a better working conditions because they don't need to apply for any visa or anything. That's my concern. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, do you have a message just to finish us off to people as we look like lockdown is going to be lifted slightly in some places and so that we might be able to see our friends maybe a little bit more? And What is your message to people who might be listening to this as someone who is seeing this every day and working on the front line? What would you say to them in the in the coming weeks to kind of stay safe? What would you say? I've had this conversation with my wife the other day and, and I, I arrived to this conclusion. A lot of people are very angry now and they're trying to find excuses to break the lockdown. Uh, but um, um, there is things we can control and things we cannot control. I cannot control um, if a minister breaks the rules. I cannot control if somebody else decided uh, to go and, and have a visit to Barnard Castle or, some, or somewhere else. But what I can do and I can control is in my hands is to uh, keep the social distancing, uh, can, can not go to other people's houses, uh, keep uh, on the rules to minimize the spread. Because we, did, we, we didn't um, go into lockdown to follow the rules. We went into lockdown because we wanted to stop spreading the virus and we wanted to make sure that our, our loved ones will be safe. And that has not changed. Um, I mean, everybody have on their hands um, to do their bit. Forget about what Mr. Cummings is uh, doing. Forget about what the neighbor is doing. You can do um, uh, your, your little bit to control this virus. Don't get the anger um, and, um, you know, um, 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 destroy what we have achieved in the last six weeks. Let's carry on, keep social distancing and keep this under control. Absolutely. Joe, thank you so much for coming on. We've all got so much respect for, you know, you and your colleagues and all you're doing. We can't thank you enough for, well, putting yourselves basically in harm's way so that we and our families have the best chance of fighting this thing. So thank you so much. And, um, you know, it's it's a tough time and we're really proud of everything you're doing. Thanks for coming on, Joe. No, thank you for having me. And, and, you know, um, it's time that nursing... um, step forward and come um, from the shadows of, of of other professions because we are very I have a lot of knowledge we have a lot of knowledge and a lot of skills that sometimes people don't think the nurses have 
and we are a very uh, uh, um, skilled profession and we a lot of people have masters and people say oh why you need a master to be a nurse and and I will invite them to come um, to one day to shadow any nurse or talk to any nurse that they know and, and they will learn what we do because we do a lot of more than dishing pills and follow doctor's orders. We have uh, our own um, profession and our merits of by what we do. And everything is based on science and, and, uh, and evidence-based uh, um, profession. And I just want also my key message is that uh, don't underestimate what nurses do because we do a lot of fantastic things. Thank you so much for listening to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post's political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post-Westminster correspondent. You can find this podcast wherever you usually find your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, we're on them all. And we'd really love you to leave us a review and share with your friends. It really helps more people find us and we will be back in a fortnight. When you're ready to refine your career path and you want to take that next step, choose Boulder. Choose to maximise your opportunities with a postgrad at DCU. We're first in Ireland for graduate employment rate and ranked in the top 2% of universities worldwide. Just some of the reasons why we're the Sunday Times University of the Year 2021. Choose Boulder. Choose postgrad at DCU. Visit dcu.ie forward slash postgraduate.